there, you are listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hosted by functional medicine physician, Dr. Nicole Rivera, and functional medicine nutritionist, Brooke Scheller. We just want to take a moment to thank you so much for listening and just let you know that any of the information that is provided is strictly for an educational resource and is not intended to diagnose or treat any conditions. The lifestyle interventions discussed should not be used as a substitute for any type of conventional medical therapy. Brooke Scheller, the Functional Medicine Nutritionist at Integrative Wellness Group, and I am here with Dr. Nicole, and today we're going to be talking to you about the top three things that are crippling your immune system. So I know a lot of people probably think of the immune system just generally based off of how often they get sick. They might think, ah, I don't really get sick, I've got a great immune system, or maybe they, you know, get a couple colds per year or some sinus infections, but those things are a little more superficial than the things that we're going to be talking about today. And we're gonna be talking about some things that might be going on at a deeper level that could be contributing to symptoms affecting your immune system. So Dr. Nicole, why don't you go into kind of just discussing overall the immune system and then we'll get into those top three things. Yeah, definitely. And I, I like what you mentioned with, you know, we base a lot of times things off of how often we get sick and we think if we don't get sick every year then we have a really strong immune system but we don't realize there's so many other manifestations and it's everything from canker sores to different types of cold sores um, also how well our body is healing you know if we're getting a bruise or we'll, or we're getting a, a, an abrasion or a cut and if that's healing fast or it's healing really slow all of those different things are indicators for our immune system. So it's it's important to gauge, you know, other things going on opposed to just thinking like, okay, I haven't gotten the common cold or the flu. Um, there's a lot of other ways that our immune system does work. And unfortunately, I think nowadays, one of the things that we're hearing about most often is uh, different types of autoimmune conditions. and. These autoimmune conditions don't really set in until our immune systems are so overly taxed out and burdened. And for those of you that don't understand what an autoimmune condition is, it means when the immune system is actually attacking specific tissue in your body. So you're actually, your immune system is attacking a different part of your body. Sometimes it's the thyroid, sometimes it's the pancreas, Sometimes it's your joints, sometimes it's your connective tissue, sometimes it's even the brain. And uh, the, all these different conditions have different names, but they all have a very similar origin. And that's really what we're talking about today is the top three things that are going to affect your immune system, you know, uh, I guess at a very high level. Great. So what would you say is the first thing that you would think of if somebody is coming into you with compromised immune system? Well, the first thing that I would definitely want to evaluate for them is if there is any type of toxicity. And, you know, there's so many different types of toxicity out there. Uh, heavy metals is a big one. So things like mercury, aluminum, arsenic, barium, cadmium, uh, the list goes on. There's quite a few of these heavy metals. And some of you might be thinking, why would I have any of those in my body? Um, I hear that question quite often is, you know, why would I have those things? And then when we do do the testing and it does come up that there uh, are some heavy metals present, usually it's, you know, completely 
that that dumbfounded face saying where did these come from yeah i think a lot of people think that you have to be working in some type of industry or having some type of work exposure people who are working in factories or things like that but we're getting them on a day-to-day basis yeah and those are contributing factors if you are working in you know an industrial area if you're a car mechanic if you work um you know in some type of factory that's producing anything from plastics to cleaners yes you're definitely getting exposed to more chemicals than the average person but it is even based off of where you live if you live in a very industrial area you live in a city uh, you're definitely getting exposed to more toxins than the average person um, if you're a big time fish eater, there's a lot of mercury in fish. But honestly, just for the everyday person that's maybe not relating to those past scenarios, if you're someone using antiperspirant, you're getting aluminum on a day-to-day basis uh, through your antiperspirant. And not deodorant, specifically antiperspirant. So it's something to, to understand that these are things that are all around us. And despite the heavy metals, you also are getting exposed to other types of chemicals such as pesticides, herbicides, um, you know, different types of chemicals that are in the plastics because plastic water bottles are such a big thing. So there's chemicals all around us and it could be overwhelming to start thinking like, oh my gosh, what am I getting exposed to? You know, you have to just kind of know where your body is at. And that's why the testing is so useful. I always tell people, you don't know what you don't know. Um, I found it really surprising when I did my own testing. I I classified myself as a pescatarian for a long time. I would say about 10 years. So I really just ate fish. And uh, I had a ton of mercury in my system. Um, I also had a ton of copper in my system, which is technically a mineral, which is, we need it. We need copper. It's very, very important for our brain function, very important for our immune system. But if your copper is too high, it becomes toxic. And that was actually based off of where I grew up. And I grew up in Newark and I didn't know, but there's a really useful site called scorecard.org. And uh, once I found out about that site, I typed in my zip code of where I grew up and it turned out the factory that was next door to uh, the apartment building actually uh, produced tons of copper with um, as a byproduct of some of the products they were making. And that was leaching into the air and was also getting into the water. And you know, at that time, didn't really know any better, drank tap water and got exposed to a ton of copper in addition to the mercury as well. I think it's important that you mention that you know, you could really drive yourself crazy if you're starting to think, oh my gosh, well, there's chemicals in this and chemicals in that. And, you know, the air that we breathe just in general has chemicals in it. So it's not about completely taking yourself out of, of everything. It's about the, the simple ways that you can really go in and say, okay, I'm going to stop using antiperspirant. I'm going to switch to a more natural deodorant. And maybe I can get some type of water filter to help filter out some of those chemicals from my water. So it's less about, you know, going and obviously it would be perfect if we could all put ourselves in a bubble and and not let any of that stuff get in. Mm -hmm. Um, But taking into account, you know, where you're living, what types of things you're putting on your skin, putting into your body, because those can absolutely have an effect on the immune system. Yeah, I I definitely agree. And I think using something like even the scorecard.org and looking at where you're living and looking at 
what is present? You know, are where are you rated amongst the other areas in the United States? Like, is there, you know, a lot of things in the water of where you're living? So if that's the case, get a water purification system and you kind of cover your bases. If it's something, if you're living in a place, maybe the air quality is really bad, make sure you can get uh, some filters in your house that can purify the air. There's things called HEPA filters. So, and we'll make sure to obviously give you some of our references attached to this podcast. But um, you can't overwhelm yourself. You have to start somewhere. And having the testing, you know, doing a hair analysis or a urine challenge, you'll know what's in your body and how you can help your body to get rid of it. But then evaluating where you're living and knowing what are the top things you want to implement. And that could be water. It could be a shower filter. It also could be um, air purification in your home. Well, now speaking about the home, Let's talk about number two, uh, which is mold exposure. And something that is really important to note is that it doesn't necessarily mean that you're being exposed currently. It could be a past exposure. Um, And I think most importantly, it isn't necessarily something that you would see growing on the walls. So why don't you elaborate a little bit more on the mold topic? Yeah, those are really, really important disclaimers to make is uh, mold is something that we hear about. And, you know, we know that if we see black mold, we have to come and get it remediated. But it's very, it's not very well publicized the effects that mold can have on our systems. And again, like you said, Brooke, you're not always going to see it. It definitely can be hidden. Um, The more and more that we have learned about mold, um, we do have another podcast uh, that we interviewed a uh, a gentleman who is kind of the pioneer in that field, and he's someone who goes into people's homes and evaluates them, you know, from top to bottom, and is finally able to to find out why some of these people are so sick, um, and it's because of these hidden types of mold that are in either the dust, they're in interstitial spaces, they're in their, um, you know, their heating and air conditioning units. So it is something that if you are not feeling well and you are someone who is not getting a lot of answers from conventional medicine and you know, you're feeling really stuffy and congested in your home and just feeling not well with very odd symptoms, you really want to get your home looked at for mold because again, you're not always going to see it. Well, and I'm glad real quick, I'm just going to mention that you talked about some of the sinus congestion because that can definitely be correlated with mold. And I think that's what most of us kind of associate with it as some type of sinus uh, manifestation, but it can manifest in a lot of different ways too. And I know you're going to talk about that also. Yeah. So some of the other ways that you can have um, or mold can affect you in a negative way is you might find that you have frequent urination. Not everybody has frequent urination. But when, uh, if so, either you have the frequent urination or you are losing tons of your electrolytes when you're urinating. So you either feel dehydrated because you're urinating a ton or you feel dehydrated because when you're urinating, you're urinating out all of your electrolytes. So those are people that just don't really feel hydrated no no matter how much they drink. Um, And they also feel thirsty a decent amount of the time. Um, another thing is, is low energy because the primary organ, um, which is part of the brain that mold affects is the pituitary gland. So the pituitary gland is actually in charge of affecting your adrenals to work properly and your adrenals make your energy. So you actually start to notice your energy levels go down. You might also have some brain fog. 
But another big one is hormone imbalance. I find uh, most of the time that women have different types of imbalances with their testosterone and estrogen levels. They might have polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, they might have just hair growth on the face or on the chin. They might have hypothyroid, a low functioning thyroid. And then with men, I often find that they might have low testosterone, low libido, erectile dysfunction, and they also have estrogen imbalances. So they might be putting on um, weight. They might actually have um, more tissue in their pecs. So like literally looking like almost what they call man boobs, but it's really because the estrogen is producing more tissue in that area. So there is a huge, huge hormonal component to being affected by mold. And this is really important because if you're someone who's been struggling with your hormones for a really long time and you've gone through bioidentical hormone therapy or you've gone through hormone replacement therapy or you've gone the natural route and you've taken adrenal supplements and you've taken hormone supplements and it's not working, you might have to dive deeper into, you know, is my body holding on to mold um, because of current exposure or past exposure and is that one of the root cause of why I'm dealing with this. And so why don't we elaborate a little more on some of the immune suppressing factors of the mold as well. So the with mold I do find that it has such a large impact on the immune system and, and just so those of you understand you're we're not really testing to see if you have um, mold antibodies in your body. So we're not looking to say like, okay, do you have trichothecenes? Do you have alpha toxins? We're not measuring that. I know there are some physicians that measure that. We're actually looking at some other levels which we can uh, provide as a resource that are going to look at the impact that the mold would make on the body. So first of all, the mold gives off biotoxins and the biotoxins are primarily are within the body. So the biotoxins actually will live in the bile that is produced by our liver and gallbladder. Interesting enough, guess what mold loves to attach to? Mercury. So if you are someone who has mercury that showed up, say, in your hair analysis, and you've gone through a period of time of trying to get it out, maybe you've done chelation, maybe you've just done different types of supplements, and it's not leaving, it's just not getting out of your body properly, it could be because you haven't addressed the fact that you've been exposed to mold in the past and biotoxins are still in your bile. So you might start to see this person has liver issues. They might have, uh, you know, their antigen, or I'm sorry, their antibodies for their liver are elevated. They might have high cholesterol. They might have gallstones. Those are very, very common. I'm not saying all people that have those have a mold issue, but they are very correlated. Um, and then the biotoxins being in the body for a long period of time really starts to decrease the white blood cell count and it starts to just cause a major imbalance in the immune system and that imbalance over the long term leads to a missignaling in your immune system which can lead to autoimmunity. So obviously the pathways are more complicated than that but just for sake of being simple um, you know, there is a big correlation with someone developing, you know, one autoimmune condition, two, three autoimmune conditions, you know, there definitely can be mold in the picture because it impacts the immune system in such a negative way. 
Well, and, and on the, um, you know, decreasing the function of the immune system with the mold, that places you then at greater risk for viruses and infections and things like that as well, correct? Yeah, that, I'm glad that you said that uh, because yes, and I think that we are more likely to get tested for viruses when we go to our traditional medical doctor, um, you know, DO, whoever we're seeing as our primary, you know, we might be getting tested for things like HHV6. We might be getting tested for herpes simplex 1. We might be getting tested for Epstein-Barr virus, which is what we call mono. So these are things that people get tested for, especially if they're experiencing fatigue or they're getting cold sores, etc. So if you are somebody who is positive for the herpes simplex 1 and Epstein-Barr and maybe mycoplasma, which is what we call walking pneumonia, all of those viruses are in the body because of a debilitated immune system. So then it's a matter of taking a step further and saying, do I have heavy metals? Do I have a mold exposure? And then the last one we're getting to is uh, talking about the gut. Right. So I know you did want to mention we always kind of bring the gut into it because the gut has such a big correlation with the body and, and how the systems really all function together. And so tell us more about some different things in the gut that can affect the immune system as well. Yeah, so a big portion of our immune system resides in our gut, and that's why we have probiotics. So I know that there's a big rave about probiotics and probiotics to help us digest better, but really probiotics are a defense mechanism against infections. And if you have a sufficient amount of probiotics, which is good bacteria, then it'll protect you against bad. So that is something that will boost our immune system and allow us to function and obviously not get various infections in the body. But unfortunately, in this day and age, we have a lot of things kind of working against us in the realm of gut infections. And you know, the primary gut infections that we develop is going to be parasites, bad bacteria overgrowth, as well as yeast overgrowth. So let's start with parasites because I think this is something that is almost commonly spoken about. We think of parasites if you're maybe traveling abroad or parasites being associated with like um, diarrhea or traveler's diarrhea, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, and I think, you know, in our practice, we, we see a lot of stool analysis and we don't very often see a lot of parasites in the stool analysis. Every once in a while we do. Um, but um, tell us more about, you know, what can happen if there are parasites present. So funny story, I, uh, I was just out to dinner with uh, a friend of mine and we were talking about parasites because this is what happens now when I go out with my friends, they like to pick my brain about <laughs> their health. But um, she was saying, well, how would people get parasites? And I go, well, exactly what we just ate <laughs> because we actually had some raw bar. So yes, I am human and I do eat raw bar sometimes, um, but I do make sure that obviously I take my anti-parasitic supplements afterwards. But, um, but it could be as simple as that, you know, eating things that um, are raw. Sushi is huge nowadays and I know that sushi is a healthy, a healthy alternative when we go out to eat, but you have to be careful with the quality. You really need to make sure you, you're going to a reputable place. Um, you know, if you're going to buffet sushi or if you're going to buy one, get one free sushi, not very reputable. <laughs> so I would really be careful with that. Um, the same thing with, you know, those really cheap seafood places, um, you know, especially the franchises. You really just want to be careful with uh, consuming anything raw from those places. 
but it could be as simple as that. It doesn't mean you're going to get sick. Some people that get, you know, really severe parasite infections like Giardia and Cryptosporidium, like you can, you'll be sick from that. You'll have pretty severe diarrhea. Um, the thing is, is if you have that, you're, you, it'll pass. You're not going to have diarrhea for a month, but if you have it for a couple days, you know, you eventually you'll start to feel better and, and the symptoms will pass. It doesn't mean the parasite is gone. So if you are somebody who maybe had that type of attack in the past and you've had diarrhea, traveler's diarrhea, whatever it was, and you still feel off, get checked. But the, you know, where the plot thickens, I guess you can say, is that parasitology testing is kind of ridiculous um, with the, the methods that we use. And the reason being is because 20 minutes after having a bowel movement, any type of parasite will auto-lyse, meaning it self-destructs. So by the time you have your bowel movement, you collect the sample and you send it into the lab, chances are there's no more parasite and they're not going to be able to detect it in order to diagnose you. If you have a crazy over, over, over abundance of parasites, then they might be able to see it. But typically, the best way to know if you have parasites is actually treating it with anti-parasite supplements and then doing the test six weeks later. So, you know, you don't obviously want to do that blindly. Um, one of the methods that we use in office is called autonomic response testing. So we actually will have patients hold certain vials of parasites and then we muscle test them to see if it is a possibility. Um, obviously, we use their history to go in conjunction with that. Um, and one of the things that is very common is that someone who has long-standing yeast, so if you've ever heard of candida and you know that you've had it or you have all the symptoms and it's something that you've had and it doesn't go away or it keeps coming back, you might also have parasites and that's why you can't fully get rid of the candida. So it is really important to consider the possibility of parasites. I just think with our food industry and how poorly the animals are treated and the poor conditions, we might be getting parasites more often than we realize through fish and other animal products. Well, another interesting thing, and I was doing some reading on this recently, is we can pick up really eggs from anywhere. So if somebody has parasites, they go to the bathroom, they don't wash their hands, they touch a door handle. Not that I want you to be crazy and thinking about this all the time. Um, but, you know, hygiene is obviously important. Another thing interesting is if you have pets and you let your pets lick your face, <laughs> if your pets have the eggs in their saliva from licking themselves, they could potentially pass that to you as well. So it's not necessarily something that you would have to be eating sushi to obtain either. So mm -hmm. just to keep in mind as, as um, it could be a possibility really for anybody. Yeah. Well, I found it so interesting when we bought our water purification system and one of the things on the purification system was, you know, removes chlorine, ammonia, and it said parasites. And I, this was a, you know, quite a few years ago, but I remember thinking, oh my gosh, there's parasites in the water. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and it makes sense, of course, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you think with the different measures taken to clean the water that parasites wouldn't potentially be reaching our tap water, but there is a strong possibility that that could be happening as well. Sure. So, again, we're not trying to freak everybody <laughs> out, um, but... You know, if you are somebody experiencing gastrointestinal issues, you really just want to get checked. And if you do have them, you know, you, you can do a simple supplement protocol and get rid of them um, and then be able to, to move on from there. All right. So moving away from parasites, let's talk about uh, 
bad bacterial overgrowth. I, I say bad like with quotes, you know, because we did mention the probiotics, so the yeah. bad are kind of the... Yeah, probiotics are good bacteria, and then of course uh, we have bad bacteria that we can get exposed to, but the primary reason why we have the good bacteria in the first place is, yes, it helps our immune system, but it also is supposed to protect us against bad bacteria. So unfortunately, because antibiotics are used so uh, often in our, you know, in our medical system, the antibiotics are wiping out all of our probiotics. So the antibiotics overuse, in addition to eating conventional meat and chicken that are pumped full of antibiotics, we could be getting antibiotics from various angles. So depleting all of our good bacteria really opens us up to getting bad bacterial infections. Um, another component of that is if you are somebody dealing with indigestion or heartburn and you take a lot of Tums, Prilosec, Prevacid, Nexium, whatever it is, um, you're also shutting down your stomach acid. Stomach acid is our first line of defense against bad bacteria. So if you have low stomach acid, chances are you could be opening yourself up to potential infections as well. And then finally, yeast, because bacteria and yeast are, I feel like we could almost kind of couple together even though they are two different things, but um, how's that going to affect the immune system? So with yeast, um, you know, yeast is something that I would say, you know, 90% of my, my clients are dealing with some level of yeast overgrowth. And really what it comes down to is everybody has a little bit of yeast, but if we feed it with carbs and sugar, then we will cause it to overgrow and that will create a whole cascade of issues. Um, but sugar and carbs, this doesn't mean you have a sweet tooth. Um, a lot of people are like, I don't eat dessert, but maybe you like pasta, maybe you like bread. Unfortunately, there's sugar in everything that we eat nowadays, everything we drink. So, you know, sugar is definitely a problem and it's something that will definitely cause this yeast overgrowth. Like I said, parasites and yeast sometimes do live together. So if you are someone who maybe has really bad sugar cravings, maybe you've had chronic yeast infections, maybe you have fungal overgrowth in your um, nails, or maybe you have athlete's foot, or you have really bad sinuses, those are all uh, indicators of yeast. So um, it's something to definitely consider because yeast is unfortunately very common, but it is something that really, really, really triggers the immune system. And it is a big culprit of inflammation. And inflammation, you have to think about feeling achy, puffy, um, also having headaches, and also not being able to lose weight. I think that is things that we hear on a daily basis from our clients. And inflammation is such a big problem nowadays. And um, it definitely can be due to these different infections that we have in our gut, yeast being a very big one. So just to sum up, you know, some of the things that we talked about today, um, you know, if you are someone who, you know, your immune system is not functioning optimally or you have been diagnosed with various viruses from, you know, blood work that you've done, um, you really do want to consider finding the root cause of why your immune system is dysfunctioning because you really don't want to let it go untreated so that, you know, potentially down the line you do develop an autoimmune condition because once the immune system is is in that autoimmune realm, it is going to be a lot harder to fix and control. And unfortunately, once you have one autoimmune condition, typically others will follow. So it's a matter of you know figuring out what could potentially be going on in your body. I always tell people you don't know what you don't know. 
Uh, the testing is what gives us the clarity and it's empowering. It's not scary. And I think that that's one thing I really want to say is, you know, this is not to sound intimidating or, you know, to instill fear because once you know what your body needs, you know what you need to eat, you know what supplements are appropriate for you, and you know, you know, if you're going to cheat, quote unquote, it's like, okay, this is what I have leeway with, and these are things that I really should stay away from because these are really not going to be good for my body. So you're not going to be able to be perfect all the time, but you kind of know what's really good for your body and what are things that you really should try to stay away from, and then where are all the things in the middle that you can do in moderation? So, um, you know, the testing is key for that. And then, you know, really just being able to get your immune system up and functioning and obviously pretending, preventing anything uh, more serious down the line. I would say a really good place to start too is really becoming aware of your body and how you're feeling. I think a lot of us kind of go through life of, you know, day to day, everything's kind of the same, but starting to recognize, you know, if you eat certain foods, if you eat sugar, wow, the next day I'm really having brain fog or I can't focus or I'm or bloated. tired or yeah. I'm bloated. And that can kind of give some indicators of, you know, okay, well maybe it is my, you know, gut or maybe it is my immune system. Maybe there's mold in the house. Um, so just paying attention and really, you know, knowing more about your body. And I really uh, love that you said that because so many people around us don't feel good and we kind of just deem our symptoms to be normal mm -hmm. because everybody's tired mm -hmm. and everybody can't lose weight and everybody feels hormonally off. And we're blaming off. on aging. Well, yeah, and but honestly, when we go to uh, doctors, a lot of times they say, well, you're getting older, so it is what it is. But, you know, I shouldn't be seeing people that are 40 years old that, you know, they're going into menopause. That, you know, there's a fine line when you have to start asking questions. So don't necessarily base, you know, how you're feeling and say that it's normal because other people around you are, you know, saying, oh, well, I'm tired too and I get headaches every day because, you know, that's their norm. Um, unfortunately, you know, because of our food industry, you know, just not being the best and how many different chemicals we're surrounded by, uh, I feel like our systems are just not optimal. And uh, you deserve to feel good. You deserve to know what your body needs. And, um, and it's all possible. And I think that's a, a really important thing to, to finish with is it is possible for you to wake up feeling awesome every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. We really hope that you enjoyed some of this information. We would love it if you could go on and subscribe to our podcast. Also feel free to rate or review if you like us and we look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon.